All right. Feels good to finally be able Feels to good, this. man. Feels, Feels good. Feels so good. But welcome to Trust the Podcast. Welcome, everybody. We did it, boys. <laughs> we made an episode. I'm your host, Declan. With me, as always, my co-host, Sean. How's it going? And, uh, man... Feels good to finally be able to talk to you guys. It does. <laughs> Been what three months at least three in the planning and the works. Yeah, and then at least a year and a half since we actually wanted to do this. Yeah. So, as I said before, welcome to Trust the Pod Says. Um, a little bit about the show. The two of us are lifelong friends. We wanted to make a show like this ever since we started listening to WIP. <laughs> and you know we've we love. Angelo, especially Angelo. Angelo's Angelo honest. in the morning's beast. Oh my god, he's so funny. Anyway, uh, ever since we started listening to him, we've always wanted to be like him. So we thought, what better way than to get into podcasting? <laughs> yeah, then start our own. Why exactly. not? Exactly. So without further ado, today on the show, we're going to talk Sixers. We're going to talk just the NBA in general. We're going to talk the trash pile the dumpster fire that is the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, we're going to talk some NFL. We're going to talk how the Eagles look interesting right now. Don't. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> and then, of course, we'll talk some college football. Maybe get into a little flyers, and then yeah. we'll wrap it all up. Absolutely. So let's, without further ado, let's just get into it. So the Sixers had a crazy offseason this Quite year. Quite an interesting crazy one. Crazy offseason. Don't really know how to interpret that, to be honest with you. Yeah. It can either, it can, I think either way it can be either good or bad, the way you see it, depending on your view of the Sixers organization. But Why do you say that? Um, well, first of all, you can say that they lost some key aspects, i.e. Jimmy Butler, Boban, and J.J. Redick are the most notable departures. But then you have signings like Al Horford, trying to incorporate Zaire Smith into the mix and Matisse Thibault drafting him and sort of, I guess, re-identifying the Sixers and reclassifying them as more of a, let's say, more of a defense-heavy team than they've been in the last year and just sort of making a new identity for themselves and hopefully looking to push for the finals this year. Definitely. I I completely agree. I think if you look at the offseason or the postseason last year, you look at how worn down Joel looked, especially in like six and seven against the Raptors. Agreed. He had no backup. Like who was coming in for him? Yeah, um, you think about them bringing in Boban. You thought maybe, maybe that would. He's tall. He's cool. He's yeah. he's tall. He's cool. He could definitely help Joel. But still, that offense pretty much operated yeah, around yeah. Joel as the senior. Yeah, run off the floor, Boban. Like Agreed. He, he looked. Slow. Yeah. It looked bad. Well, how old is he? He's what, thirty something? That's a good question. And he's super tall. Which yeah. Means his knees are not good. Heaviest player in the league, I believe. Yeah, definitely. But so, as much as we loved him, you know, he got it's probably for the best that he agreed. Yeah. But then again, you guys sign Al Horford, the brand new piece of the Sixers offense. Absolutely. Definitely looking to hopefully fulfill or back in that uh, center role when Embiid's not playing or Embiid's banged up. Because we know that injuries have been a problem for Embiid, especially this year with him. I think the six, everyone knows that the Sixers' medical staff is sometimes questionable <laughs> with random injuries always, hap- always seeming to happen. But let's hope that hopefully Al Horford can, can provide an extra element that the organization definitely needs. 
And you said in the opening about losing J.J. Redick, which I agree is really bad because he was the veteran presence. He was a great outside shooter. Agreed. But I feel like the acquisition of Josh Richardson is probably one of the more underrated moves that they made this year. Well, the thing with J.J. Uh, Redick is J.J. Redick was one of the pure shooters of the Sixers, mm-hmm. and he was excellent at it. Mm-hmm. But I think with Josh Richardson, of course, he's not as good of a shooter as... J, as JJ, but that's not to say he's not a slouch. And I feel like the things that you gain more with Josh Josh Richardson in that he's overall a better defender than JJ, and you don't sacrifice too much spacing and too much depth when you gain Richardson as opposed to losing Reddick. But again, that veteran presence I think will hurt them on on the court. That's true. I agree with that. But I also think like. Um, J.J. kind of was a defensive liability. Right. And I think with Richardson, you're getting a much taller, much younger, um, more athletic player, which is going to benefit them in the long run. But I could also see where he doesn't take that next step that everybody thinks he might. Um, he is lights out from the corner, and he's lights out from the elbow. But other than that, he's not, you know, he's not somebody you'd rely on. But then again, in this offense, I don't know that he's going to need to be somebody that needs to be relied on yeah i think he's going to be more the three and d type player where you go to him for a couple good shots and you go to him you know to guard the best shooter on the floor um and i i mean you're not expecting much from him but i think he could be a good player agreed i think so as well uh al horford let's talk about him a bit Mm -hmm. what's that four year 109 million 997 million guaranteed Annual annual salary of twenty seven point two five million. Mm-hmm. Do you think? What's your opinion on that? Especially with Horford's age. Yeah, that that is a thing. Um, I think, as evidence last year, Horford can still play. Yeah, he's, agreed. He's getting up there. He's not going to play, you know, the minutes that he once did back in Atlanta or even like his early days with the Celtics. But I think he's definitely somebody that they can rely on, like. Uh, definitely toward the end of games and I think now this is a hot take so get ready for this I could see Brett Brown having him come off the bench you think so I think so because if you really think about it the whole reason in my view that they got him was to help Joel right and what better way to help Joel than to have him come off the bench to have Al come off the bench because like you saw in the postseason last year like in that Raptor series, every time Joel was off the floor, they'd be minus whatever. Like, they'd uh-huh. be losing points left and right. Yeah. So I think they really need a reliable rebounder, a reliable defender that can come in for Joel and, you know, not lose as many points <laughs> as they did last year with <laughs> Agreed. off the floor. Um, now, I don't think that he's just going to be in a bench position, obviously. But um, I think it could be like a... Now this is, you know, an awful comparison, but like a Lou Williams situation where they have him start off the bench through three quarters, and then if it's a close game, you put him in. You slot him in, and it's that super tall, super deep lineup that can shoot and space the floor but still be one of the best defending teams in the league. I think that could definitely benefit the Sixers this year. Speaking of that, Al Horford this year is shooting double the amount of three-pointers in the preseason than he has with the Celtics. Mm. And I think that is overall much definitely going to help them out because last year, again, losing Redick, losing some of those key shooters, um, definitely Al Horford shooting threes 
brings in a lot more depth and a lot helps with the, some of the spacing issues that they have had now that uh, Reddick's gone. Yeah, and we haven't even addressed this yet, but like if that jump shot on, I think we know who we're talking <laughs> about here. Yeah, I if think this so. new jump shot is a thing, and he starts taking like four yeah. of those a game. Then maybe Al doesn't have to shoot as many. Yeah, games, maybe you know? Al doesn't have to shoot him. You can definitely open up more. But yeah, that's my uh, that's my huge hot take here right now. Is that I feel like Al could play ventral, and I think that would benefit not only him and give him fewer minutes throughout the year and keep him fresher for the postseason, but I think it'll help Joel because then he doesn't have to be all forty-eight minutes on uh-huh. the floor, you know, or we lose. Like, yeah, I think. I don't know. I think that would be a good move all the way around. But I think Brett Brown definitely this year is going to start looking away from shifting the main focus of the offense away from Joel now that he has Horford, now that he has other guys. And like you said, if Simmons develops a jump shot and, you know, maybe maybe start to reclassify the identity of the team, mm-hmm. get into I agree. Yeah. Um, so overall, what do you think the biggest – acquisition was I mean we kind of hinted at it but I am going to say I feel like we haven't talked about this yet but uh, I think Matisse Thibel Mm -hmm. is one of the not the biggest acquisition but I think he's one of the most notable I still think Horford's probably the biggest acquisition yet Mm -hmm. Josh Richardson second I think Matisse Thibel definitely he can if given the opportunity I think he can become one of the elite defenders on this Sixers team I mean He's shown it in the preseason so far. Now, then again, he's been put, the competition hasn't been too fierce against the Magic and the Lions. And the one Chinese league team. Agreed. But. but then again, you never know. I think I think Matisse Thibault definitely has a shot at being one of the elite one of the elite guys on the on the uh, on the court. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say the same. I saw something and. Uh, those that know me know I'm a huge TJ McConnell fan. <laughs> so I was heartbroken when he didn't get re-signed. But I saw this one thing. I think it was on the Phila Goat Instagram page. One of the best pages on Instagram, by the way. A little shout-out to him. But um, where it said Matisse Thibault is basically just a taller, more athletic TJ McConnell. <laughs> and that instantly won me over. So, you know what? If he can develop into the kind of player that he looks like he's going to be, he is an extremely, extremely valuable asset coming off the bench. Agreed. And even potentially starting, you know, a few games. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I really like that pickup. Um, the other one that I was like, you know, this is kind of interesting, was the Shake Milton over TJ, as I kind of said. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about it yet. Um, Shake played a couple games last year. He played mostly for the Blue Coats. Yep. But... He's a good, young kind of talent. 23 years old. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I could see it working out. Um, Part of me doesn't want it to, you know, (laughs) because I want to feel that TJ McConnell hole. Feel Um, that vibe of him. Exactly, you know. Oh, we made a mistake kind of thing. But um, I'm a Sixers fan first before a TJ McConnell fan. So if Shake works out, I'll be very, very happy. but yeah, I agree with you. I think Matisse Thibault was a huge, huge acquisition. And in fact, I forget if it was um, Toby or Ben that I saw, but they were talking about in the blue and white scrimmage uh, that Matisse was 
making him so angry. I believe that was Ben Simmons who said that. I think you're right. I'm almost positive. That. And just the fact that, like, he said that um, just about how that's how good of a guard Matisse can be. Like, it's looking good. It's definitely looking good. So Well said. Well yeah. said. Biggest loss of the offseason. <laughs> uh... I think... I mean, the obvious answer is Jimmy, but, like... J.J. Redick, Boban, T.J., and Jimmy are all pretty much the main ones yeah. that you think about. Yeah. It's I'm going to have to go with either Jimmy or J.J. Redick. Redick, because you lose... Again, like we talked about, that veteran presence and his shooting ability, and Jimmy is just an all-around player. Yeah, I think... Honestly... Excuse me. I think J.J.'s a bigger loss. Now that's another hot take. Yeah. There we go. We got two in the first fifteen minutes. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I never really thought Jimmy fit into the Philly system. I kind of see where you're going with that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like it, it benefited um, toward the end in the playoffs, but like, it just he never fully seemed like he fit into the kind of move the ball around system. You know, fast break, fast break. He always kind of seems like the guy that wants to go ISO to me. And, yeah. you know, while that could be good for the Miami Heat, because that's the way they like to play a lot, you know, um, I just don't think it ever fit into the Sixer system. And everybody knew last year that that offense ran for, through Joel, and I don't ever think Jimmy got on board with that, um, which stinks because they could have been good, you know, with a full year under their belt. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go J.J. I mean, J.J. fit in. J.J. was a catch-and-shoot guy. J.J. could defend, you know, decent. Decent enough, yeah. yeah. exactly. Um, and, you know, he was always the kind of guy that, like, you can rely on. Um, he'd miss a shot here and there, but, like... Generally, for the most part, he was money. He was money. He was money. <laughs> um, Boban, I'm going to miss just for his personality. And T.J., obviously, I'm going to miss a lot, but... Uh, I think overall it's JJ, and I think they went out and filled that hole pretty well, but I think he'll still definitely be missed, especially in the Philly community, um, you know, just the way that he was able to play, how he was able to hand, handle himself on the court, uh, you know, just everything about him I think is going to be definitely be missed in on the Sixers, so. Yeah, 100%. Now for the big question, are these Sixers a contender this year for the chip. All right, I'm going to get as close to my microphone as I can. <laughs> the Sixers are winning the finals. There it is. You hear, you heard it here, for, you folks. Heard it you here heard first. it here, folks. Because, okay, the West, to me, is insane, obviously. But, but, it's too stacked. I think by the time you really? get to that Western Conference final... Everybody's going to be exhausted. I don't see how any of these series don't go six, seven games. All of them. Um, I think they all go six, seven. Or There's six, seven just games. the amount of sheer talent in the exactly. in the West is unbelievable and this it's year. It's not as concentrated at all. Like mm -hmm. you know, last year it was Warriors, Rockets, um, Nuggets to an extent, uh, and then mm, that was it. Yeah, pretty much. But this year you could see the Clippers getting there. You Blazers, the, the Blazers, the Warriors, the Nuggets could get back in there. I don't see the Thunder as much. The Rockets, like their teams, 
you know, top to bottom that could easily make a run on any of these teams. Whereas in the East, essentially right now, it's just the Bucks and the Sixers. Yeah, pretty much. Because KD's not coming back this year. And I think Kyrie in Brooklyn is just Kyrie in Boston in a different city. So I don't see that going well. Um, and then in terms of the Celtics, they lost. They fell apart. They fell apart. You do acquire Kemba Walker, but other than that, you lose. You lose Kyrie. You lose Kyrie. I don't know. I, I've and Horford. Really Let's not forget that. And Horford. Right. I've never really liked that team. I don't know. And yeah. Scary Terry. Don't forget that. <laughs> oh my gosh. That makes me. We don't have to talk about that. Anyway, um, yeah, honestly, I could see the Sixers making the chip. I mean, who's there to beat them in the East? You know what I mean? I think just if the team in the West, because like you said, there's just so much talent, and I think it's going to be a lot of seven-game seven game series in the West. And like you said, are they gonna be, how tired are they going to be when they get to June? I mean, is it? I think I definitely... Definitely agree with you mm-hmm. on that one. In terms, but then again, also look at the Bucks. Yeah, but like to me, the Bucks the lost Brogdon and Miritich and gained Robin Lopez. I can't even say it seriously. Wesley <laughs> Matthews and Kyle Korver. They retained Chris Middleton. They're the same team, but I feel like they lost their two best shooters. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not two best, but like two of their you know most productive players. Um, Obviously, before Brogdon got hurt, he was really good. Miritich was always reliable for them. I, To me, they just got worse. Um, Wesley Matthews is a good shooter, but he's old. Kyle Korver's a good shooter, but how many minutes is he going to play? Mm-hmm. You know? Robin Lopez, I don't even... <laughs> I, like, that just baffles me how he's still in the league, but that's a different story. To me, I don't know. I think the Bucks are a good team, obviously, because, you know, they have the best player in the world right now. Right. <laughs> they have Chris Middleton, who was an all-star last year. They have Brooke Lopez, you know, Splash Mountain. <laughs> good old Splash Mountain. <laughs> but to me, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. I think the Sixers can definitely beat them. I think 100%. the Sixers could have beat them last year. Yeah. I think if that shot doesn't go in, I think the Sixers are in the finals. But, you know... Maybe you can call that a home mentality, but I, I don't. I just don't see the Bucks doing it, and I don't see the Nets doing it. I don't see. I could see the Pacers contending, but I don't see them beating. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't see anybody getting in the Sixers' way, except themselves, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But no, I think I think the Sixers are in a better position than ever to end the process right now this year. So Elton Brand thinks so. I think yeah, we all know that. <laughs> I th- I, the entire city thinks so. And you know what? I, I think they're right. I think if there was ever a year, it's this year. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. Come the 23rd, you know, we'll get a little taste at this, or against the Celtics at home. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. But, Great. like, I'm excited. I This is the most confident I've felt in a Sixers team in a while. I feel like with last year's team, too, You, again, you had tons of talent on that team. Not to say this year we don't have talent, but, right. again, you acquired talent so quickly, and I feel like the team didn't have enough time to really, really develop and sort of, Agreed. I guess, 
bond, if you will. I agree. And it was self felt kind of rushed, you know, Toby and Boban coming in mid-year, Jimmy coming in, what, November, I believe? I mm-hmm. can't recall. It was early, I know, but not early enough. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean, and um, I think, we haven't even talked about him at all, it feels like, but Tobias Harris, I think, is still an all-star, like, caliber player. Uh-huh. I think if he continues to just mesh with this team, and, you know, kind of find the role of uh, probably shooter coming off the ball yep and somebody that can take over if he has to i think if he just keeps continuing to find his role within the team i think they're set mm-hmm. i think they are and then then again you can not sort of saying this but then again tobias sort of fills a little more he helps you with the shooting situation with the departure of reddick as well if he can you know become that three-point guy and become much more reliable from three-point range because last year I felt he was good I didn't think he was good enough mm-hmm. though and well, and I think that's what you were talking about it's that mid-season mm-hmm. kind of rushing to yeah come in. so again I think with another year under their belt of just you know learning each other's game styles and trying to mesh with everybody and I think it helps too that you know besides obviously Josh Richardson and Al Horford and Matisse coming into this uh, system. And even guys on the bench like uh, Zaire, Shake, excuse me, um, coming into the system, I think it helps that, I think it helps that guys like Mike Scott, like Ben Simmons, like Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, you know, guys that were there last year that kind of are getting to know each other. Yeah. Already kind of know what their role should be on this team. Mm-hmm will help these new guys integrate because it's not like we don't know how Al Horford plays. Like, we went up against him. He was Joel's kryptonite. <laughs> it's not like we don't know how Josh Richardson plays. He's still a young guy, but we played the Heat a couple of years ago in that playoff series, and he had a really good series. So it's not like we don't know how they operate already. We just, uh, Brett Brown's staff needs to find a way to integrate all these people in. And I, I think if they're able to do that, that's the only thing standing in their way, like everybody mesh, meshing together. So. That and turnovers. And turnovers. <laughs> <laughs> that is a thing, too. So, yeah, overall, I think the Sixers, honestly, I think they're in the best position. But anyway, from branching out a little bit into the rest of the NBA, um, what do you think was the biggest move of the offseason? Obviously, an offseason that shook up the entire league. Um, we'll start in the East. Which teams do you think got better? Which teams do you think got worse? Uh, obviously, I think the Sixers got better. <laughs> I mean, we've done enough discussing on that one. And I do think, then again, the Nets got better. With Although they lost D'Lo, they do gain Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And who else? Um, DeAndre Jordan, Wilson Chandler, yep. Garrett Temple. I mean, like... Very, very good top-heavy guys in Kyrie and KD. Obviously, KD's hurt, but mm-hmm. Kyrie is still an elite point guard. Um, you lose D'Lo, like you were saying, um, but you lose Jared Dudley, so that's also a good thing for them. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I see what you mean. So then, who do you think got worse? Um, I would say the Celtics, definitely. Yeah. I agree. Obviously, losing Kyrie and losing Al Horford, 
they pretty much who's going to fill the center role for them? Mm-hmm. No one. I don't. Re- I don't know who. And then also, Are but you, you gain. Saying you're dissing on my boy Aaron Baines. I How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Can't stand him. But honestly, though, I mean, the sec- Celtics don't really have a role to fulfill in terms of the center position anymore now that Al Horford's gone. And although you gain Kemba Walker, you add talent there, I just don't see them Oh, we're forgetting Ennis Cantor. That would be their, I would think that would be their starting center. Oh, and right. Obviously, he's not as good as Al Horford, but he's not. Aaron Baines, at least. No, he's not. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. I also think, and this is hard to do, but I think the Knicks got worse this year. Really? I think so. They added, what, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Reggie Bullock, Tosh Gibson, Wayne Ellington, Alfred Payton. Okay, they were supposed to get KD. They were supposed to get Kyrie. Yeah, they supposed, were supposed to, get to get Zion. Zion you know? So... Just disappointment and all then around. And they lost DeAndre, who obviously wasn't a great center. Right. But he was at least somebody. And then they lost Mario Hozonia, who was a great young player for them. I mean, essentially they lost their respect. <laughs> <laughs> little respect they had. Yeah. Um, and then I think, obviously, I think the Raptors got uh, worse. Significantly. That'll happen when you lose the only reason you were there in the first place. Ooh. <laughs> well... Yeah, I mean, take, but tell me I'm wrong. Um, I honestly, hmm, who else do I, I think the Pistons got a little better. I mean, marginally. Just marginally. Marginally. Yeah. Um, I think the Pacers, the Pacers are officially my dark horse. Right. <laughs> I think they could get a three seed. You think so? I think so. I think the Pacers can too. I think, I think they could get a three seed, especially with Olin Depot coming back. They added yeah. Brogdon. They added Jeremy Lamb, who's a really underrated player from an awful, awful franchise. Um, I honestly, I could see it happening. I'm, obviously, they lost Bogdanovich. They lost Thaddeus Young and Corey Joseph and Wesley Matthews. But I think it could happen. I could see it happening, honestly. So, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And then another team that I think could be good, the Hawks. You know, if they develop uh, Trey Young a little more, Jabari Parker's coming in now, which I think he's obviously not that great. But I think DeAndre Hunter could be good. Um, Cam Reddish. Plumlee, which if you don't have a Plumlee, I think you'll be okay. <laughs> um, yeah, Cam Reddish, you said. Cam Reddish is a great young talent. Um, Vince had that super sick spin behind the back pass, which was insane. Um, I think this could be his last year, which will be sad, but... I think um, we've said that for like the past four years now. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think the Hawks could be good as well. Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, we'll just have to wait till the 23rd to find out. 22nd, I mean. Yep. How about the West? What are you thinking about the West? Oh, man. Obviously, you have AD coming over to LA, but then again, you lose, uh, you lose uh, Josh Hart, you lose crap. Why can't I think of the name? Their young talent. Exactly, all of your young talent just right out the window. Mm-hmm. And then Demarcus Cousins tore his ACL again. Yep. They gained Jared Dudley. <laughs> they lost Javale McGee. I mean, like I can. I mean, oh no, they have Javale McGee. I read it wrong. I'm sorry. 
but if he's your starting, what he's coming off the bench probably for AZ, unless AZ plays power forward. I mean, everybody's high on the Lakers. I am not. I'm, I'm not high on the Lakers that much. I mean, just because they they have two generational talents in Green. LeBron James and Anthony Davis, probably better than generational talents. But then again, you lose. All, like you said, all of your young players just mm-hmm. gone completely. Mm-hmm. And For a guy that might be in the league another five years. Mm-hmm. Definitely put them in that def- definite win-now ma- win mentality now. And I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying that. I just realized, but obviously, LeBron's still one of the best players, but like he's yep. old. You know, I mean, he's old, and he's done a lot. So, um, Respect him, but then again... <laughs> But that's just us being salty because he didn't sign with us last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know who else. Who else do you have contending? Um, I think that the Blazers are one, just one tiny piece away from cha- uh, contending for a championship. I think they. Now, not to say they can't do it this year, but I feel like they just need to make one more acquisition of someone, and that puts them in the realm mm. for championship. Interesting. I agree. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it, <laughs> <laughs> but I think Hassan Whiteside might be a mistake. I like the Maria Hazonia pick, though, obviously, from what I said about the Knicks. Um, I think he's a good, good young player. Um, you know, it stinks that they lost Seth Curry. Uh, he was a good shooter for them. Uh, Ennis Cantor was a good backup center behind Yusuf Nurkic. But, like, I don't know. I feel like last year would have been their time to win it. Yeah, I can see that. But I just got a feeling for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they got a talented no, group, of, group of people, I and I think that they can do it. Um, the other team I'm really high on, the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz? are a dark horse 100%. I mean, they add Mike Conley, which is a huge, huge move for them. Going from Ricky Rubio, who was a pass-first guy that had a jump shot, but he wasn't, you know, he couldn't hit with consistency, to Mike Conley, who's a known scorer, but also a great passer, a really good defender. I could definitely see where that helps uh, Donovan Mitchell take the next step and helps make them, I say, a 3 seed. I think they're a three seed. Yeah. I think Bogdanovich is really good off the bench. I think Ed Davis, Jeff Green, those are good bodies to have. Moutier is really good as well. Um, and I don't think they're losing much in Ricky Rubio. I don't. Um, so I could definitely see them being really good this year. What's and your I take think, on the Nuggets then? Uh, I think the Nuggets took a step back. I yeah. don't know. Like, I feel like they could have done so many things and they didn't. Um I mean, they lost Isaiah Thomas and Trey Lyles, which obviously aren't, you know, huge mm-hmm. moves. But, like, I, I feel like they had so much potential to go out and sign another shooter. Yeah. And they just didn't, um, which stinks. But I think just as a team, they were very young. And I think just having, like we said about the Sixers earlier, just having another year under their belt as a team and being able to... Um, have that sort of chemistry building could be beneficial. So I could see where they take another step, maybe 
but I just don't. I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah. You know, I, I thought they could have been better. And then obviously, talk about the Warriors losing Kevin Durant and Boogie Cousins, but gaining uh, D'Angelo Russell, Willie Cauley Stein. Um, it stinks though for them because, you know, obviously Clay's hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows when he's going to be back or how good he will be. Um, but on top of that, they lost Andre Iguodala. Yeah, which was forgot about there. that. They did lose Andre Iguodala. Like Steph Curry, I believe. I remember seeing a stat that said something like, Steph Curry's the oldest player on that team right now, which is insane. Wow. It's I insane. Not, he's 31. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and they lost Jordan Bell, who was a good young center. They lost DeMarcus Cousins. They lost Quinn Cook, who was a really good shooter off the bench. It just, um, I don't think they're going to be the Warriors of old, but 100%. honestly, I i could still see them doing well. I mean, I don't think they're going to be the perennial dominant team, but I, I think they're not. They definitely didn't take a step back, I think. And that might be a bit of a hot take as well. <laughs> but, um... I don't know. I I think they will be well. They will have better chemistry this year. Um, oh, like I said, I guess we'll just have to see. But I think come May, you know, when the playoffs start start up, the Warriors are going to be in the thick of it. I think they're definitely going to be in that top half of the bracket. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But. All right. All let's right. talk. Let's talk Phillies for let's a second. Talk, Transition let's over talk to baseball. Phillies. Let me just scream into my microphone about how angry the Phillies make me right now. Let's, I think. I think you, everyone believes that right now. I think oh that's the unbelievable. They were supposed to be contenders. Yep. They were supposed to be. At least you could have secured a wild card spot. Oh my God. At the minimum, just get Seriously? into the playoffs. The loss of the. Marlins, they almost got swept by the Marlins twice. I mean, the Marlins might. are hot garbage. Oh my god. The Phillies make me so. I mean, like, okay, the thing about the bullpen was I could see where the injuries could be blamed. Or even the entire team. Like, Kutch goes out early. Gene Segura is not there all the time. Um, David Robinson got hurt. You know, like, I could see where that could be an excuse. But they should have still been in it. Yeah. And the That much that talent were, and that much hype around the team. Bryce exactly. Harper, they JT. They should have been in it. And they're, I think it's clear that Nola is not, should not be the only arm in the rotation. 100%. Yeah. They tried to make a deal at the deadline for Jason Vargas, and that <laughs> looks awful right now. Um, the dude can't pitch over 85 miles per hour, and he's good for the first four innings, but then people figure out, hey, this guy's never going to throw a fastball. That's so <laughs> hating him. Yeah. And then by the time the people figure out that, hey, he's not throwing fastballs, they take him out, and there's nobody in the bullpen to back him up. So I think they definitely have some work to do in the offseason. Um, in terms of shifting over to now manager, who's yeah. your number one candidate? Or who do you, let's just go, who do you think? Well, mine is Buck Showalter, obviously. I Interesting. Think. Interesting. Why I mean, Showalter's obviously, he's sort of, 
I'm not trying to say that he's like necessarily a terrible coach, but he's not the best. But I think that for the Phillies, he's definitely more of a win now kind of guy. Like his teams have notably been like after he becomes a manager, he generally does pretty solid in the first years. And I think for the Phillies, you know, obviously not trying to put them in that win now mentality, but then again, for them with that much talent on the team, I think they can definitely, you know, hopefully put a dent into the playoffs at least minimum. Mm-hmm. I see for the for a similar reason, I thought it was going to be Dusty Baker. All right. I think I don't necessarily think he's the best choice long term, but uh, reportedly Bryce likes him, right? Which is a big deal, because um, he's going to be there for twelve more years. <laughs> um, he had some good runs with the Nationals. He had some good runs with the Rangers. Um, I believe that was the year the Rangers went to the World Series against the Giants, but um, or the Cardinals. Uh, maybe it was both. Doesn't matter. Point being, I know he went to the World Series at one point. Uh, I think he's a good enough manager, but he's definitely not a manager you want for a rebuild. So I think what you're saying right now is 100% correct. I think either one of those managers is good for their purpose right now, which is win now. Like mm-hmm. If you have a roster with JT Real Muto, Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, you're going to want to win right now. Yeah while you can still pay these guys. Um, and I think they should go out and they should... Everybody keeps saying that thing about Rendon. I don't I don't necessarily want them to chase another third baseman or another field player. I want them to chase pitchers. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we see it with the Astros. The Astros have one of the best lineups I've ever seen. You know, it reminds me of the Phils back in, like, 2010. Mm-hmm. When it was Doc. The golden years. It was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when it was Doc, it was Cliff, it was... Um, Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels. Uh, Roy Cliff Oswald. Lee. Yeah. I mean, like, who do they have? They have... <laughs> they have Garrett Cole going out there. They have Zach Greinke. They have Justin Verlander. I mean, that's deadly. Yeah. That's God-awful. That is deadly. I mean, and we saw it last night, I mean, we're recording this, what, Monday, October 14th, you saw that last night, Verlander pitched awesome, held the Yankees, who were one of the best lineups in baseball, to two runs, and the Astros beat him in 11. Yep. So, I don't know, to me, like, they they should get a good manager, I think any manager that you bring in is going to be, you know, good enough. Better than Kapler. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) better than Kapler. I think they made a great move only cutting the pitching coach and not the rest of the staff, especially not Charlie. Because once Charlie came in, the hitting just went off, it seemed like. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely going to be good to have a fresh face in the dugout. And then get some pitching. That yeah. should be their number one focus right now. I can't I can't agree more with you in terms of pitching. It's just, just so god-awful. Oh, my God. It is. Especially with... You look at, what's his name? Jake Arrieta. How much of a disappointment that was. Oh Nola's on, the only bright spot of that pitching squad. It's just, ugh, I don't I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I completely forgot about Arietta. I guess it's just kind of a uh, pushed out of my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, what, they have Garrett Cole on the market this year, Steven Strasburg, Madison Bumgarner. But you have these good, 
good starting pitchers that people could go out and chase. Mm -hmm. And I think the Phillies would benefit greatly from doing that. Now, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to, Yeah. but, you know, I think they could, and it would definitely be a good thing for them. I think even a guy like Madison Bumgarner, who looked awful these past <laughs> couple of years, but he's, you know, stuck on a bad team without a real good reason to be a good pitcher. I think if you bring him out, he could have a resurgence. And I have nothing to base that on. But, I mean, what, this year he had a 3-9 ERA, which isn't bad in this live ball era. 203 strikeouts in 207 innings. I mean, he's a good pitcher. Mm -hmm. He's definitely a lot better than Jake Arrieta. Yeah. You know? So it's like, if you have to pay him, pay him. He's a good pitcher. Just get someone, Just right? Get Just somebody. get somebody. <laughs> Just get somebody that's not freaking Nick Pavetta running in from the outfield and making JT shake his head because we know it's going to be fastball, fastball, fastball. Just get anybody. Anybody. And if Pat Neshack could throw a Band-Aid on whatever, on him stubbing his toe in the morning and actually get out there and pitch, that would be really nice, too. But I digress. <laughs> right. That, that's, I can't speak anymore about the Phillies because I'll just get super heated. And, you know. Anyway, let's right. move on to something that might get you a little heated. Let's talk Eagles. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't really know what to say about this year coming into the year i was just so hopeful that this was the year i think we all kind of knew you know Wentz was going to come back have a monster season and so far he's been i don't want to okay. say he's he's been he's pretty been okay. he's been it's i don't want to say i'm not trying to say that he's bad or anything or he's just mediocre i think Wentz has played good this year now i don't think he's at mvp level yet but you know the season's still a long one and he showed he has shown glimpses of his MVP form. Again, the Eagles are arguably the best team NFL team on third down. Much like and Wentz's stats on on third down are amazing. Yeah, they're some of the best in the league. Some of the best in the league, and that mimics his Super Bowl should have what should have been MVP year. But right now, I think the Eagles. Again, secondary issues loom big. I think the defensive line hasn't. Hasn't played well at all. And overall, I think, you know, I don't think this is their year. I think they can win the division. And I think they can get to the championship, NFC championship. I don't think they're going to go to the Super Bowl, though. Yeah. Um, I think their biggest issue right now is their secondary. Yep. If you have Kirk Cousins putting up 38 points on you. I believe it was <laughs> Zach Brown, the linebacker. He said... He was quoted, I believe it was like Wednesday before the game, and he said that, oh, the Vikings' biggest weakness is Kirk Cousins. And then Kirk Cousins proceeds to throw 300 yards and I believe four touchdowns for them. Well, I mean, to be fair, that guy's right. I forget his name already, but he's right. But you've got to be able to defend him. You do. <laughs> I you mean, do. What does it say about your team if you say this guy's the weakest link and then you go out and he torches you? You can't have that. Exactly, you can't. I mean, 333 yards, four touchdowns, 22 for 29, compared to Wentz, who was 26 for 40, 306 yards, two touchdowns. And, I mean, that's just unacceptable. For I mean, not to say Kirk Cousins is a shabby quarterback. He's okay. He's just mediocre. But 
But he should not be lighting you up. Like he that. should not be lighting you up. And I understand that Minnesota has a phenomenal receiving core, but... Somebody's got to get it to him. Somebody, yeah. I mean, Stefan Diggs has three touchdowns, basically open on every play. And what's that? 167 yards for seven catches and three touchdowns. I mean, that's just... Ridiculous. It's ridiculous it's for ridiculous. the Eagles. That's coming from a Giants fan. <laughs> I mean, the Eagles looked bad. <laughs> they looked bad. And really, it's not even Carson's fault. Like, Carson played a really good game. Carson has done his job for these, for several of the games, including the Lions game and Atlanta. And, you know, he's put the ball, and he's put the ball in his receiver's hands. But, again, two drops to end the game. You can't blame that on Carson. Yeah, it's, he got it to them. He got it in a position where an NFL receiver should be able to make a catch. And they've come up short. Aguilar in against the Falcons and uh, Arcega-Whiteside against the Lions. But other than that, I think also the Eagles not having Deshaun Jackson really hurts them. Cause it does, because they don't have a deep threat. They do not have a deep threat, and that's just causing guys to sit low. I mean, you can throw it. Zach Ertz or Alshon Jeffrey for 10 yards but every now and then the defense is going to pick up on that and start to realize okay these guys have no deep threat at all so we're just going to stack the box I mean I think not having Deshaun Jackson takes away that threat and Jackson's ability as a receiver you know someone reliable unlike I wouldn't want to see Aguilar but some of the younger guys that the Eagles have like Ortega Whiteside and um, uh, occasionally Aguilar especially with his drops the past few games but Right. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. Um, I think they're they should be focusing more on their running game as well. Yeah. Like you can see that Carson throwing the ball forty times a game isn't the best thing for them. Yep. And they had they brought in Jordan Howard for that reason. To have that one running back that can pound the ball when you need him to. Especially with that offensive line. I mean, obviously Peters got hurt yesterday. And who knows how that's going to shape out. But, yeah. you know, you sign that guy for a reason. Use him. You know, that's... If I was an Eagles fan, that would be my biggest frustration besides the secondary. Yeah. Be Carson should not be dropping back that many times to throw the ball. Yeah. Again, that goes with, I think, Sanders is a young guy. And Sanders and Howard are completely different. Sanders more of that receiving back. Mm-hmm. And they're going to develop him into the new Darren Sproles with him being a uh, uh, three-down back. He can catch, plat- catch passes, speedy, and work inside if he's needed. While Howard, again, is that big, in-your-face, pound-punch guy who can move the ball when you need it. And so far, I think that they've done. They've had games, i.e. Uh, green against the game in Green Bay, where they ran the ball very well, and but I think they need to do a lot better job at it. But uh, just real quick, I mean, you're an Eagles fan. I'm a Giants fan. Right. I think we can both agree the Cowboys are utter garbage. Yes. Um, that Jets game. J- that Jets T-S. game. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was so funny. Jason I, Garrett is so... I do not know how he is still the coach. He I feel like Cowboys get high on him every year, and he just always falls up short. Yeah. And I think, really, that's the only reason anybody's still in that division <laughs> is thanks to Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett is the best player on 
both are on all three, the Redskins, the Giants, yeah. and the Eagles. Yep. I mean, without He has question, secured many NFC. Without question. Yeah. There's no reason the Giants should be one game back from the division lead. There's no reason the Eagles should be in the division lead right yeah. now with the way you're playing. Yeah. But um, so thank you from the Trust the Podsess staff to Jason Garrett for our highest up. regards. Thank you. Yeah, just thank you so much. An awful coach. Awful, awful coach. Uh, but anyway, this week the Eagles have the Cowboys 8-20 in Dallas. How do you see that game going? I see that as... I'm going to say that's a very, very close game. I think it's going to be 34-31 Eagles coming out on top. Mm, interesting. And just because of, I think the Eagles just want that victory, and they know that they need that victory. Mm-hmm. And I think coming into Dallas, generally the Eagles have, I don't know what it is, but the games that they're not supposed to win, they always end up. Uh, winning and the games that they're supposed to win, they always end up losing. Detroit this year, Green Bay, Green Bay this year, uh, L.A. Rams last year. They were not supposed to win those games, and yet they pull it out. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I think that comes from underestimating the opponent, and I don't know if that gets to them. If they underestimate Dallas with Jets' loss this year, or I mean, the, they're Dallas. If they underestimate Dallas's Dallas because of their loss to the Jets, I think that's going to hurt the Eagles, and they're going to end up losing the game. Yeah, like we were saying, Dallas just played a trash game, and the Jets came out like they were possessed almost. Like yep. they looked really, really good. They looked the complete opposite of that team that uh, played the Eagles. Out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Last week. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think it'll come down to the wire. It's a good, good division game. Both teams are coming in fired up. You know, obviously, both coming off of losses uh, that hurt. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and especially with the Eagles going into this long stretch of games where it's just brutal. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to come in with a sense of urgency. I think they're going to want to go fast. Uh, especially with Doug, I think they're going to want to use that running game. And yep. like utilize Jordan Howard more and more. I don't know if that'll actually happen. <laughs> but um, I definitely think that's what they should do. I think the Cowboys are a weak team. I don't think they're as good as... I don't think they're as good as everyone says everyone. Yeah, yeah. so ultimately, ultimately I do think the Eagles are going to come out on top, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm 100% with you. Um on that. Alright, on that note, let's switch to college. Let's talk some college. I what a weekend. What a weekend. What a weird weekend. Georgia, the most notable loss this weekend. so angry. Okay, for those of you that don't know, I'm a Notre Dame fan. We needed Georgia to win out, basically, and we needed to win out as well. So, they could have lost to literally anybody, and they picked South Carolina, which does not look good. For either one of us. <laughs> so that made me, that just made me so angry. I was like, you could have picked any team. You really could have. I mean, lose to Alabama, that's fine. You know, everybody expects you to lose to Alabama anyway. Lose in the SEC championship game. By all means, it's fine, you know. Don't lose to South Carolina <laughs> in your home stadium, please. <laughs> I mean, 
at the end of the day, it's another college kicker scenario. But Jake Fromm played awful. Fromm played, did not have a good Jake game at Fromm all. Jake played awful. And South Carolina, God bless them, came in. They were fired up. They looked great. But come on. You're supposed to be one of the top teams in the country. And you came into your own stadium. I can't emphasize that enough. Fromm comes into his own stadium they and throws three interceptions. Three interceptions. Oh my God, it made me so angry as a Notre Dame fan. Like, thinking, okay, we're going to get a good win against USC, and we did. Georgia's going to get an easy win at home. And then you look at the score, and you're like, wait, what? What? <laughs> are you serious? Like, yeah. they, they lost? And it's just like, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? At one point, do you look in the mirror and say, I'm a Georgia football player after you lose to South Carolina. Like, and I understand these are all D1 programs and anybody can beat anybody at any moment. But, like, come on. Really? Really? You're going to lose to South Carolina? Yeah. Give me a break. So, Georgia now moves down to number 10 with Clemson at number 3, LSU at 2, Bama still at 1, and Ohio State at 4. Yeah, LSU picked up a great win. Obviously, it's at home, but it's against a good Florida team. Yep. They looked really good. Joe Burrow. <clears throat> excuse me. Joe Burrow looks stellar. And right now... Early Heisman candidate. I think he's one of the top Heisman candidates. I agree, especially after... Um, what's his name? Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor's awful game. I mean, mm-hmm. not for the awful, badgers. obviously. It was 80 yards, yeah. which is bad for him. But... Um, Wisconsin, honestly, Wisconsin has one of the best defenses in the country. You think so? I think so. They look good. I think Wisconsin looks good. And then Ohio State, obviously, the other Big Ten school in there. Or Wisconsin currently sits at six. Uh, Penn State at seven. My Penn State at seven. <laughs> and uh, Michigan at 16. Ugh, and I, so right now for the Big Ten championship, it's shaping up to be what Wisconsin versus Ohio State, correct? I believe so. Yeah. That'll be a good game. That'll be a great game. Honestly, the team that surprised me the most right now is Penn State. I did not think they were going to beat Iowa. Iowa's a really good defensive team. Their offense is pretty solid. Um, I honestly, I'll be honest, I thought Penn State was overrated at ten, um, but they got a really, really good win on the road at Iowa in a raucous environment. Yeah. They look good. I think that Penn State defense, I think the offense looked okay. Sean Clifford, 117 yards, one touchdown, 12 for 24. KJ Hamler is legit. Hamler is legit. I think Sean Clifford is okay. I think the Penn State defense is really, really, really good. I agree. I agree. I think they're very underrated. Yeah. Um, Which is funny because that just shifted for me in less than a week. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. I'm going to be honest, I didn't think they were going to win the Iowa game, too, but they came out on top, and mm-hmm. I'm proud of them. <laughs> yeah, great game. Who are your, for this year, who are your final four? Right now, it's so hard to determine because it's like halfway through the year and mm-hmm. there's still, you know, plenty of great games to be played. Uh, obviously, I think you have Alabama in there. Um, I think that, I don't think LSU will last too long just because of the Alabama factor um, I think Clemson will be in there I think Ohio State is going to win the Big Ten at the end of the year and then 
I think I have Oklahoma. I think I have Oklahoma taking advantage of LSU, eventually going to lose to somebody. Yeah. And then uh, sneaking in. Um, but it stinks, though, because it seems like those four teams are in almost every year. Um, yeah. And then I think I have... Let's see. I think I have LSU finishing fifth, Wisconsin finishing, like, sixth, and then Notre Dame seventh. I'm going to have to go against you. I think Alabama and Clemson definitely am. I think Wisconsin can beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship and move up to number four. And I also think LSU is going to be sitting at number three or number two. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think that Wisconsin defense is legit. And mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor... Even though he struggled last game, I think Jonathan Taylor is definitely a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I mean, like, I could see where that would happen. But the thing that stinks is there's no set formula for which teams get in. So you never know. It's basically a matter of committees feeling one week, you know? That's what it seems like anymore. So, like, I could see easily how a team like Wisconsin gets in. But then if they lose to Ohio State, I could see how. Yeah. Oklahoma gets in over them, you know. Mm-hmm. Or if LSU loses even a game, I can see how they get kicked out. Yeah. So, like, there really is no way of telling. So, and who knows? Maybe Georgia will sneak up. You know, like, there's no way of knowing until the committee says something. Yeah. Um, and AP, I guess, is a good way of kind of discerning who's in and who's not. But, like, even then, they, it's just people voting on it. And they're going to have different opinions from those in the committee. Mm-hmm. I agree me. with you. So, at the end of the day, like, it's all just speculation until we decide, you know. Yeah, it's all up to them. Yeah, exactly. So, but man, I love college football. Yeah. It's so much fun. When you have teams like Appalachian State, Minnesota, mm-hmm. you know, teams that come out of no SMU, coming out of nowhere just to be on the rankings, it just <laughs> makes it so much more fun. Agreed, 100%. So, anyway, well, all right, so, as we mentioned, we are a Philly sports podcast, however, we are lacking in one department, we don't know anything about hockey. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so I'm very sorry for our listeners that are very hockey-oriented. I will tell you this, I did watch the one preseason game against the Red Wings, and Carter Hart is a beast. He is a beast. He looks really, really good. Hopefully he's a a starting, capable keep uh, goalie for just the entire year. Um, other than that, I have no idea. You know, mm-hmm. I have no idea what to think of the Flyers. I thought they were going to make the playoffs last year, and then they blew it. But um, I'm looking forward to learning more about hockey. So really, if you want to teach us hockey, let us know. Hit us up on the Instagram page, the Snapchat, the email, the Twitter. Literally hit us up anywhere. Please teach us hockey. We would love that. <laughs> yeah. So, speaking of the socials, I think that about concludes it for our podcast. Yep. We did it. We made it through an episode. Somehow made it. We did it. We did it, despite all odds. Um. So, yeah, check us out on our Instagram, which is at trust underscore the underscore podcast. 
Check us out on our Twitter and our Snapchat at the Pod Says. We have to get better about t- posting on Twitter, though. Yeah, we really do. Yeah, we we don't have anything on Twitter right now. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I stop editing this episode, we will. Uh, there will be some tweets up for sure. Uh, email us too. So we want to do a segment where we have hot takes coming in from our users or our listeners. I mean, and. Uh, if you have we hot got, takes, let us know. If you have know. hot takes, send them in. Yeah. We'll talk about them. Um, if you want to talk about, on if you want to talk on the podcast with us, send us your phone number. We'd love to call you. Um, this is not going to be a normal format for us. We're going to try and do it uh, during the school day in our little 45-minute blocks. So this is a really long episode for us. Yep. <laughs> but, um, you know, definitely on a longer episode like this where we have an off day and we just feel like talking sports, we will definitely have more user-oriented, I'm just, excuse me, listener-oriented right. elements to the show. So please, please, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. We'd love to hear what you think in general. Suggestions, comments, bring them in, boys. Yeah. And, uh... So, like I said, the shows are going to be shorter from now on, more likely than not. Definitely not much shorter. I'd say around like 35, 40 minutes. Yep. Um, but yeah, we're going to try and post every other Monday. We'll see how that happens. But uh, Or record every other Monday. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but definitely stay tuned with our social media. Thank you for supporting us. <laughs> Thank you. We Thank really you so much, guys. It. Uh, I would have given up hope if it wasn't for all my friends saying, "Hey, you guys really need to do this." You know, we'd love to have, we'd love to hear it. So, yeah, we can't thank you enough. Um, and until next time, trust the process. Trust the process.